Welcome to the Rosemont Baptist Church podcast. Rosemont is a thriving group of believers who desire to connect with Jesus and his church, grow in faith and understanding of God's word, and serve in our local area and around the world. We are located in LaGrange, Georgia at 3794 Hamilton Road and invite you to attend any of our three services on Sunday mornings. Please visit our website at rosemontchurch.org for more information. And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. Take your Bibles open to Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. We are, after a couple weeks, taken off of Christmas. We are continuing our study through the book of Exodus. And we're moving now kind of into the second section, really part two, and there's kind of be a third part as we get towards the end of the book, but for the next many weeks, we'll be kind of in the middle section of the book of Exodus, and I wanted to just kind of recap, give you a quick review to make sure you know where we are, and if you're interested, all the sermons are available online if you want to go back and re-watch the ones that you missed, but we've spent our time over the last many weeks looking at the people of Israel. Just a quick review, they've been enslaved in Egypt They've been there for now 400 years. Uh, they have been uh, under the control of the Pharaoh and the people of Egypt. But the Lord has heard their cries. Right? In his goodness, in his mercy, in his majesty, he's come down. He's rescued them through the ten plagues. The final plague being the death angel. He's brought them now out of Egypt. The last thing we studied, they crossed through the Red Sea. He parted it walked on dry land, Pharaoh and his army followed, and the seas crashed back over, and they were destroyed. And so now we kind of move in this new phase. The first 14 chapters of the book of Exodus are found in Egypt, the plight of the people of Israel under captivity, beginning really now in 15 and moving on through the rest of the book. We're going to move into a new phase. The people of Israel have walked out of Egypt because the Lord has rescued them. Now they're going to wander in the wilderness. And so in our study for the next 40 years, they're going to wander through the wilderness. Now, we're not going to take 40 years to walk through it, praise the Lord. It won't take us that long. But the people of Israel wandered for 40 years in the wilderness, and we're going to see the Lord continue to be faithful. Right? One of the themes we see through the book of Exodus is the faithfulness of the Lord even when his people are not. Praise the Lord for that, right? That's still the case today. God is faithful even when we're not. And so we're going to see now in this new phase the people of Israel wandering in the wilderness, walking, trusting the Lord together. Now we're going to read this morning in chapter 15 the song of Moses. I'm not going to preach through it. You can go back and kind of read it and work through it on your own. We're going to read through it and spend most of our time at the end of chapter 15. But as we read through this song, I want you to notice something. I want you to notice how the Lord did everything, how often Moses speaks of the power and the majesty and the glory of the Lord, right? Because what we've seen up to this point is that everything that has happened to the people of Israel has been the will of the Lord. It's been in his power and in his glory. And so when they cross the Red Sea, they look back on all that the Lord has done, and they're grateful, and they're thankful, and they praise the Lord, and they do it through this song. Exodus chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. 
The horse and his rider he's thrown into the sea, right? They're looking back on the Red Sea and what happened. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his hosts he cast into the sea and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the water piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. Verse 10, you blew with your wind and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, Awesome and glorious deeds doing wonders. You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard. They tremble. The pangs have seized the inhabitants of the Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away, right? The people of the surrounding nations have heard about what the Lord has done. They've heard about the goodness and the majesty and the power of the Lord. They've seen the Lord's power worked out now through the children of Israel. And the other nations, because of this, tremble. What's the Lord going to do next? Verse 16, terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as a stone. Till your people, O Lord, pass by, till the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them under your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. Verse 19, for when the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. The people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand. And all the women went out with her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed, triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he's thrown into the sea. Right, a, a beautiful picture, a reminder of all the Lord has done a reminder of what the Lord is doing, and then a look ahead. One day he will take us to his glorious mountain. He will lead us into the promised land. He will glorify us. And so Moses and the people of Israel sing this song to remember. They sing this song to worship. They sing this song to be reminded of all the Lord has done for them. Now verse 22. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur, They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. That's significant. We'll come back to it. When they came to Merah, they could not drink the water of Merah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Merah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log. And he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. 
There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. Now, the Lord has done a lot of things. The Lord has demonstrated his power. The Lord has demonstrated his majesty. He sent the ten plagues. He led the people of Israel through the Red Sea. He's taken them and destroyed the Egyptian army. He's now leading them into the wilderness. And everything about what they're going to do now for the next 40 years is all about the Lord. So here's the first truth I want you to see this morning. Number one, the Lord is worthy of our trust. The Lord is worthy of our trust. Now, one of the things I love about preaching through the Old Testament and and kind of studying the Old Testament is how so much about the Old Testament points ahead to Jesus. So much about the Old Testament looks ahead to who Christ is going to be, to Messiah, to what he will do for us. And the story of the Exodus is one of those stories. In fact, we see mirrored in the Exodus story and what the people of Israel went through. We see that mirrored in our own lives and what we go through with salvation, right? Our journey of salvation is very similar to the journey of the Israelites in the Exodus. One writer kind of summarized it like this. I want you to listen to what he said. Once we were enslaved in the Egypt of our sin, but then Jesus came to set us free. He's our Passover lamb who shed his blood on the cross to sacrifice for our sins. He has also brought us through the Red Sea. In his burial, Jesus passed through the deep waters of death, but by his resurrection, he landed safe on the other side. All of this is signified in Christian baptism. The exodus from Egypt was a forecast of an event greater and of an even greater exodus, deliverance from sin through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Right? So we see within the exodus this story of redemption. We see within the exodus this story of forgiveness. But what we see within the exodus even more than that is this trust of the Lord. Right? These people that have been enslaved in captivity, these people that have been in slavery now for 400 years are going to walk into the wilderness and the Lord is going to direct their path. The Lord is going to walk with them. The Lord is going to lead them. But let's remember something important, right? I don't want you to miss this. Because as we study the people of Israel and we study kind of the, the wandering through the wilderness, let's not miss the truth that it was the Lord's will for them to go through this period. Most scholars say it probably would have taken two to three weeks for the people of Israel once they left Egypt to walk, cross over the Jordan River into the promised land, modern day Israel, right? Most scholars say it would have taken just a few weeks. Instead, it took 40 years. Now, why is that the case? Because the Lord wanted to lead them through this wilderness to test them and to try them and to grow them in their faith. In fact, Deuteronomy 8, 2 says, You shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what's in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Now, we know that the people of Israel wandered for 40 years because they didn't keep the commandments of the Lord. 
fact, they didn't trust him. They didn't obey him. It took them 40 years before they finally made it to the promised land. All the while, he's demonstrating his power and he's demonstrating his glory. And watch, he's demonstrating his ability to provide for these people and give them everything they need. Now, when we read about this wilderness idea, most of us have no real understanding of what this is like. Because most of us have never been in a position where we're either in a desert or a wilderness or in the middle of nowhere where there's no food, there's no water, there's no transportation, there's no anything. Most of us have never lived like that. I, I, I talk about stories of going overseas and experiencing things uh, on mission trips and the way parts of the world live. And, and you need to understand, and many of you probably already do, but we are incredibly blessed in our country. I think you already know that. But even the idea, because we think about water this morning and bitter water and nothing to drink in the wilderness, even the fact that you can go into your kitchen and twist a little knob and clean water comes running out of a pipe you can put into a cup and drink, you're unlike millions of people in the world. I mean, there are hundreds of millions of people in our world that don't have that luxury. Did you know that? Hundreds, I'm not, over, I'm not overstating that. Right? The idea that you can turn a little knob and get clean water, the idea that you can go into a private room in your house, use the restroom in a sanitary manner is unlike most of the world. And so we, we're kind of in this place in America, and I, I know many of you know this, where we are greatly blessed. I think God has given us great things. So it's, it's hard for us to understand living in a wilderness, not having access to food or water or transportation. Yet this is exactly where the people of Israel find themselves. They're wandering in this wilderness. They have no other recourse other than to trust the Lord. They've got to follow him. They've got to live for him, right? So what's going to happen over the next 40 years is they're going to try to figure out how to trust him. They're going to try to figure out how to love him. They're going to try to figure out how to follow him. And the path of the children of Israel is going to be a roller coaster. There are going to be some ups when they're good and they're trusting. Then there are going to be some lows. It's kind of like our life now. It's kind of like our walk with Christ. There are days and maybe weeks and months and years where we're trusting, we're serving, we're growing. Then there are times when we're not. And our walk is very similar to the walk of the people of Israel through the wilderness. And so we need to be reminded as we study this and as we're understanding what they went through, as we're trying to apply it to our own lives, we're, we're getting this picture and this understanding that we need to trust the Lord. We need to walk with the Lord. We need to follow him in all things, right? Now let's continue. Look again at verses 22 and following. We've seen the Lord is worthy of trusting, right? He's provided. He's walking with these people. He brought them out of captivity. They've got to now learn to trust him. But they get just a few days in the wilderness, three days, in fact. And the Bible says they get to this place and they can't drink the water. It's bitter. It doesn't taste good. And remember, they've come out of Egypt with a limited supply of food and water. Not enough to carry them for months or even weeks in the wilderness. They've got to find it as they go. They come to this water. It's bitter. I want you to notice their response in verse 24. So the people, the Bible says, grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he, that's Moses, cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them. Right. So one, we've seen the Lord is worthy of our trust. 
Here's the second truth. The Lord is also worthy of our prayer. Right? The Lord is worthy of our trust. He's brought us out. He saved us. He's rescued us. He's blessed us. He's given us great abundance. Second thing we see is that he's worthy of our prayers. Now listen, the people of Israel probably thought that all their troubles were over. Right? They're out of Egypt now. They're out of captivity. They're out of slavery. The Lord has done miraculous things. They probably think there's nothing else that could possibly go wrong. And then all of a sudden, just a few days in, they go to drink water, and it's not worth drinking. It's bitter. doesn't taste good. And so they begin to grumble. They begin to complain, right? So we ask ourselves the question as we look at them and we think about all they've been through and all the Lord has done for them. We see the way that they live, and we ask the question, how should we deal with disappointment in life? Right? These people came to a place, they're disappointed, they're sad, they don't like what's happening, they're upset. Right? Fast forward that into our lives, we deal with disappointments different than this, but there are often times in our lives where things don't go the way we want them to go. And so we try to learn from these people. What can we see that they did? What can we see that Moses did? How can we take the truth of the way that they lived and apply it to our lives? And here's what we see they did in verse 24. When they found that the water wasn't worth drinking, the Bible says they grumbled against Moses. Right? They grumbled, they complained, they were upset. Even after all the Lord had given them, they weren't happy. Now James chapter 4 speaks to this. In fact, James 4 verse 1 says this, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. Right, the Bible says, listen, we're, we're not happy and we're not satisfied and we grumble oftentimes because we're selfish. Right? I can speak for myself. Adam gets upset when Adam doesn't get what he wants. Right, you ever feel that way? We don't get what we want, so we grumble and we complain and we get upset about it. And we kind of do what they've done. Lord, I know, I know that you've come down to rescue me. I know that you've demonstrated your power in numerous ways over my life. I know that you've rescued me from the bondage of sin and slavery. I know you're walking with me. I know there's a greater promise ahead. I know you're leading, but, but Lord, I'm not happy about what's happening right now. Can't you do a better job of providing what I need right now? It's kind of silly when you look at it like that, isn't it? Kind of silly when we consider all that the Lord has done and given to grumble and complain about anything. And the Lord speaks to this, by the way. In fact, there, there are a lot of scriptures that talk about this. Philippians 2.17, do all things without grumbling or disputing. James 5.9, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. 1 Peter 4 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. On and on the Bible goes, and it basically says, listen, think about what the Lord has done for you and be thankful and happy and don't grumble and don't complain. Here's how one writer explained, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offend you right now, so go ahead and be prepared, okay? Just prepare your hearts. Many Christians complain about little things. That's what he says. We don't like the way ministry is being handled. 
or we disagree with something in the worship service, or we have a problem with one of our spiritual leaders, so we grumble. We do the same thing at home. We complain about the brand of cereal our wife (laughs) or our mom bought. I've never done that, by the way. Never complained about cereal. Or the jobs that we have left unfinished. We complain about the quality of the living room furniture. All this complaining disturbs our relationships and hinders our witness. Here's a simple truth. Don't complain. Don't grumble. Instead, look at what Moses does. Let's take our requests to God. Because the people grumble. Lord, why haven't you given us? Why haven't you provided? We know you've done all this stuff. Lord, what have you done for me lately? They complain to Moses. And what does Moses immediately do in verse 25? And by the way, this is a great life lesson. Moses doesn't go, you know, you're right. I cannot believe God brought us all the way out here and can't give us water, can't give us what we need. Moses could have very easily complained and grumbled to them. A great life lesson for us. Instead, what does he do? He goes right to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord. Why? Because the Lord is worthy of our prayers. You understand that? Because he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's in charge of all things. Trust the Lord. Seek him in prayer. Call out to him in your time of trouble. Why? Because he's worthy. He's worthy of our trust. He's worthy of our prayer. Now look at verse 26. We need to wind this thing down. Here's what he says. If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer, right? The Lord is worthy of our trust. He leads us. He guides us. He directs us. He's forgiven our sins. He's worthy of our prayer. He wants to work in our life. He wants to use us for the sake of his kingdom. Now, truth number three, the Lord is worthy of our obedience. The Lord is worthy of our obedience. If you wanted to kind of summarize the Christian walk, verse 26 is a great way to do it. That if you're taking notes, you ought to kind of highlight that little verse. Here's what the Lord says. Just kind of this concise way that we should live. If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Right? Very, very concise. The Lord says, listen, first of all, listen to my voice. By the way, just a side note, the Lord has spoken to us through his word. Did you know that? You want to hear from the Lord? Then read his word. It's real clear. He's given it to us. Everything he wants to say to us is found in here. Right? You don't have to go do anything outside of reading God's word to hear from the Lord. So the Bible says, listen, listen to, to this voice, do what's right in his eyes, obey his commandments. But there's a word he puts on there that I want you to miss. Pull, pull up verse 26. I want you to see this. This is an important word because we're very nonchalant oftentimes in our faith. Right? We, we take it when we can. We do what we can, but there's plenty of times we can't. We're too busy. We're too tired, blah, blah, blah. We know the story, right? Here's what the Lord says. When you start thinking about what you want to do and how you want to live and how you want to serve, look at verse 26. Saying if you will, what's that next word right there? Let's all try it this time. Saying if you will diligently, right? Not me, me, whatever. Whenever, diligently. 
Right? Are you diligent in your walk with the Lord? Are you diligent in your obedience? Are you diligent in your prayer? Are you diligent in your trust? Are you diligent in your study and walking with him? Are you diligently serving the Lord, right? God is worthy of our obedience. Why? Because he saved us. He's called us out of our sin and our slavery. He set our feet upon the rock of salvation. He is our God and we are his people. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords and he's worthy of our praise.